0: You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner. I'm joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the latest Sixers Beat. It is now official. The team sent out a press release confirming the trade. Boston did as well, and then Brian Colangelo had his press conference about it. Real quick, I guess, before we kind of get into it, the details on the pick protection, because they are a little bit little bit confusing or at least a little bit in-depth. First of all, there is the, like, so they get the 2017 number three pick. That much is known. That, that has always been a given. They also get one additional draft pick, and that if it's a number two through number five pick, and that's inclusive, so two, three, four, five, if the Lakers pick next year ends up in 2, 3, 4, 5, they get that 2018 Lakers pick. If it's not, if it ends up number one, which is protection put in for the Sixers, or if it ends up as 6+, plus, which is protection for the Celtics, then they get a 2019 first-round pick, which is one of either two of the Kings pick that is unprotected, well, the Kings pick in 2019, or the Sixers pick in 2019. The Celtics will get the better of those two picks, as long as the better of those two picks are not the number one pick if the better of those two picks is number 1 then they will get the lesser of those two picks so it's a little bit confusing but basically easiest way i can simplify it if the lakers pick next year is 2 through 5 they get that if it's not they'll get the better of the lake of the kings pick or the sixers pick in 2019 as long as it's not the number 1 pick so a lot of protections in there i am impressed that the sixers got you know basically they have made a trade where they got the number 1 pick for the number 3 pick plus a future pick and they removed any and all possibility that what they give up could end up being the number one pick in the draft, which is good. You I like are, how I try to simplify, and it's not doesn't seem simplified at all.
2: You out of breath yet? <laughs> there's a there's a few details on that one. Um, I was impressed that he was able to get the uh, which I, I am now dubbing the Donsich clause yes. and and the Bagley clause in. Uh, in reference to the potential top picks in 2018 and 19, yeah, I, I was impressed. And
1: we made this joke earlier, but people are going to say, "Well, why isn't the Michael Porter Jr. clause?" Because Doncic is a cooler sounding name. Way better. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it.
2: You know, <laughs> is it Doncic? Is that is that actually how you say it? It
1: sounds right to me.
2: Okay, so yeah, and uh, Colangelo talked about it. It was he didn't really say too much, but you could tell, like the negotiations between those two teams. I bet you they were pretty they were pretty intense. Those are two. Pretty sharp front offices. Boston obviously has made a million really great trades that have set them up in the position they've been in. And, yeah, the uh, the Sixers, to get just that top-end protection. Yep. If, if in the next two years they land the top pick, they're going to make it, which is, which is good. That is most of the fear that you were going to make when trading those picks. If it gets down in the three or four range, well, all right, well, Boston will get that. And I mean, we'll have to see how those classes shake out. I do think it's pretty big guy heavy uh, next year yeah. in the three to four range, which I think might be a, of a little less use to the Sixers, who have really good front court depth. But regardless of how that goes, the big thing is you didn't want to see Boston get the number one pick next year, and they won't. And yeah. for the Sixers to get that and move up for Markel Fultz was I I was very impressed by the deal that they were able to.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess if you were gonna say about the protections next year, the only other thing you could have really hoped for was top two protection because like you said, it gets real big man heavy after that. But if you would have taken our temperature at the beginning of this whole process after the lottery happened, I think we all like this would have been the very least you would even like if if you would have suggested less than this, you would have thrown that rumor out there as being, you know, unrealistic. Like if I would have said what's it gonna to take to move up from three to one, this is kinda of like the bare minimum I would have thought even had a chance.
2: I wrote a post on my site. Asking what what would you give up for number one, and I mean, again, when you're negotiating it's yourself. Like you're probably going to come up with something stupid. But what I said was, whatever the lake or whatever the Celtics wanted as far as one of those two picks, obviously number number three would be the first one. You know, move back two spots. I said I would give them either the Lakers or the Kings pick, just take it or whatever. And I said I'd throw Dario Saric in too. And this is less than that. So you know, for them to, to negotiate that. It says a couple things. One, it says Danny Ainge was clearly not in love with Markel yeah. Fultz. That, and that's what this whole trade boils down to. It's it's a difference in scouting opinion. And the Sixers, <laughs> Danny Ainge is clearly not on the side uh, of the consensus because I think most people would agree with the Sixers that Markel Fultz is not only the best player in this draft, but he's the safest guy to be the, the topic. You, you You have no idea how the draft's going to turn out, but he's the safest bet to be the best player in the draft. So for them to give up less of that to to keep Dario Saric and put protections on that pick, I, I mean it's look. I, I know Sam Hinkie put the Sixers in a good spot, but Brian Colangelo did a heck of a job with this with this pick. Here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you, you know you talk about Ainge having a difference of opinion, and it was funny because there was there was talk around the NBA talk that I had heard that they were content and fine. Selecting Markel Fultz number one—that's clearly not. You know that—that that was bravado. Uh, I kind of mentioned that in one of my uh one of my mailbags in the morning, and and clearly that turned out not to be the case. I'll take that lump. But a lot—it's causing a lot of people. You know, you have a viewpoint where okay, well, Danny thinks that the player they can select at three is a, an equivalent prospect as Markel Fultz, so it's a win-win because they got you know they got extra assets in return. That's only true if Danny's right. He's certainly setting himself up where he could be very wrong, and I certainly disagree with him. I think Mark Hill Fultz is a tier above. It will be fun to watch play out because, man, you got got a guy who I thought was head and shoulders above everybody else. You're not going to give up a number one overall pick in the process. You're only giving up one more additional future first-round pick. It really does seem to be about the best-case scenario. You know, there was a time on Saturday night where a report was wrong or two, and it came out that the Sixers were trading the – Lakers' pick and a protected king's pick, uh, and then quickly it was found out um that that was not the case, and that would have that would have made the the trade a little harder to swallow,
2: yeah, I mean when when that came out, it,
1: I'm not even sure I'm saying I wouldn't have done it, but it would have been a it would have been a much tougher.
2: I had mixed feelings when that came out from a a very credible source they but but it was just confused, and instead of both of the picks, it was one yeah. or the other, plus the protection on uh Saturday night. Was probably the best Philly Sports Night on Twitter. I think pro- this this was tweeted out somewhere. This isn't my original thought, but probably since the Cliff Lee night. Although I mean, we're going back six years ago. Twitter was in its infancy back then. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it it was great, and I mean the, the the twenty minutes where everybody thought that it was both picks, and I think a lot of people were talking themselves into it. I'd do it anyway, and some other people. It it kind of it kind of made it worth it when it finally came out that. It was only one pick instead of two. and kudos to you for getting the uh, getting the scoop scoop Bodner over here getting the uh, getting the information that it was protected two to five. It is from like a team building standpoint, it is a fascinating deal. Yeah. like this is gonna be one that not only we in Philadelphia, but I think the entire NBA is going to be talking about for forever. It is I mean the details on it are amazing the all of the pluses and minuses you can weigh. Each each way, it's it's great, and uh, I, I'm thrilled that the Sixers were a part of it because it, it makes the team I'm covering more interesting for sure.
1: Yeah, and it's the type of deal where it wouldn't have you couldn't have done this you know two years ago. Uh, you couldn't a pick that you got that eventually became unprotected in a trade. You couldn't then put protections on it not too long ago, so it worked out very well in the Sixers' favor that they changed uh, that they changed that rule and made this possible because it will it would have stung. I mean, look. We can talk about the odds of the Lakers end up ending up with the number one overall pick next year or the Kings two years down the road. Uh, but that chance, however small, 5%, 8%, whatever we can agree upon, that's still there, and that that would have stung. It's it's nice to get that protection in there. And, and kudos, like you said, giving Colangelo and his team credit. I mean, look, Hinky, you, you can't not look at the Hinky aspect of this. This would have been the number five pick in the draft without the Lakers pick, without the future Kings pick. Those moves certainly did set them up, but I mean... Colangelo and his team had so many different avenues they could have gone down this summer, and they picked the very best one to use those assets, assets on them, I'm, I'm very happy about what they got accomplished.
2: And, I mean, the, the fear for Colangelo was that he was going to go all veteran on yes. us, and he was going to try and max out, you know, guys who 28 years old and declining and, might not have star potential. I, like the,
1: I like, like the clarification from Stein. I think it was today or last night that they will now not pursue Kyle Lowry in free agency, <laughs> which I almost feel like didn't need to be said because, I mean, they have they have Markel Fultz. Why would they? But it, it did kind of ease my concern a little bit.
2: Yep. And, w- and we'll get into Markel Fultz a little later, but I, I know that, that both you and I have him in a tier by himself as far as the, uh, as far as this draft goes and just, the, the offensive talent that guy has is is pretty special. He, he shows some flashes. And, look, it's not like a, a lot of people are celebrating this trade as in, like, the Sixers are, are already parading down Broad Street or, or MLK Boulevard or wherever we are in Camden right now. Um, but it's exciting, for sure. And th- their core is one of the most high upside cores for a young team. You do not see this happen all that much in the
1: NBA. Let me ask you this because I've gotten into some arguments about a tweet I made on on Twitter the other day, if you took the Cavs and the Sixers, so you took Towns, Levine, Wiggins, me the Wolves, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I say? Cavs. Yeah. Cavs have a pretty good core too. They're a little different in their their life cycle. Um, but if you took Towns, Levine, and Wiggins, Embiid, Simmons, and Fultz, I kind of have I see I have I have Fultz and Simmons ahead of Levine and Wiggins, which I think is is pretty incredible. Pretty incredible.
2: So so the way I would tier them up, probably, I would have Towns first by himself because he doesn't have the injury risk. The health is big. Yeah. And be the second by himself. And then my next tier would be only Fultz yep. and Simmons.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's it's like I understand why people would take the, the the Wolves side of this because Towns is so much more of, you have so much more confidence in that going forward, but I mean, even that, that Towns and Bede debate, I think, could be really fascinating down the line. If, if Embiid stays healthy, knock on wood, it'll it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I mean, they really have a lot to build upon and they, they fit so seamlessly together that uh, it would be hard to screw this up. It really would. I mean, when, when you now look at I guess we can pivot off to free agency. But when you now look at what they need and what they should, should pursue, it's a, such a clearer focus now than it was before. You know, before you're arguing. You're talking about how much you want to take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hand, about how much you want to invest in a point guard and some of the older options that are out there. You need one spot, man. You look at this team, and they have four out of five spots, starting spots pretty much filled. Uh, where really, what you just need age, experience, and health. So you're looking for a very specific person. If you can't get it, I'm kind of okay with pushing that out to, to 2018 and beyond.
2: Well, and so is Colangelo, according to his comments today. Again, he wasn't very specific about anything he said. But he seemed more than willing, if the uh, the right free agent, and we're, we're basically talking about a shooting guard who can right. actually shoot, or, or a small forward, a wing of some 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 uh, form there. If they can't get the right guy, they're more than willing to push it back to 2018. And obviously, I think you know they have a couple of off seasons before this core becomes expensive, because obviously Embiid's going to cost starting next off season, but. If they're able to keep any veteran contracts to like, you know, a year or two less before Simmons hits free agency, they have a cycle here where they could potentially fill over the next couple of years with just a veteran shooter, somebody like JJ Redick perhaps if they're able to get him for a couple of years, or Kyle Korver or somebody like that just a stopgap veteran. And then a couple of years before Simmons hits free agency, there's a scenario where they're able to land a big star and they'll yep. be, they'll have the cap space to do so.
1: Yeah, and I mean, now that you're looking at it, let's play the clip real quick about Colangelo and, and maybe waiting until 2017. Uh, here it is. Uh,
0: but we're going to continue to work to build with that core and make right decisions that don't put us in a situation that uh, jeopardize a, a, a nice strategic path for sustainable success. So jumping out in free agency is still something that will be contemplated really with those two ideas in mind whether or not we go out with multi-year commitments or you know short-term commitments that maintain flexibility Uh, i think ideally we would like to not only have max flexibility now but maintain max flexibility next year when this group has a chance to grow together a little bit more and be more um perhaps uh More ready to add a a high-level free agent. That's not to say we're not going to explore the marketplace this year, but it sure feels right that this group, this young core that we are assembling, has a chance to grow together.
1: So I think what I kind of take away from this is, first of all, you never really trust anyone, and maybe they still go out there and make that big splash. But I said this the other day, and I still think the priority this summer is – Robert, well, not the summer because you can't do it, is Robert Covington, giving him that renegotiation so that his next four years are relatively cheap. You know, you give him $20 million now, and then he's down at $10, $11, $12 million per year range. That would be great to get him under contract because you're looking at then 2018 and this team and where they are in their, their rookie-scale contracts. You're looking at a, a, a roster sheet, a cap sheet, that pretty much has Joel Embiid paid a ton. And look, he, unless he, his leg falls off, he has to be paid He's a ton. worth it. He's, he can't let him go. Then you have Robert Covington being paid not a ton. I mean, if you're talking $12 million, that's, you know, what, 50% more than uh, than the mid-level. That's not a ton anymore, even though it still sounds like it. And that's it. Then you got guys on the rookie scale. You can figure out what you have on the roster and then really pursue 2018, which is a great year of free agency, with uh, with a little more knowledge.
2: Yeah, it was nice to see Rocco when the when the team tweet out. Of course, Colangelo wouldn't specifically say.
1: Who would have they- thought? They, they, they're sitting there with the – Best three players from the 2014, 2016, 2017 drafts. And Robert Covington, the undrafted free agent from Tennessee State, is included in that core.
2: I was happy to see him. I was happy for him. And and well-deserved. Um, just a, a really good complimentary piece. And, yeah, I mean, he, he fits in great with, I mean, God, we talked so much about fit <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. Just, oh, these guys are awkward fits here. And does this guy's shooting preclude him from playing with this roster? <laughs> They got a one, they got a four, and they got a five all you gotta do is fill they got two fours that are actually yeah. pretty good don't wanna don't wanna discount Dario in this um they just gotta fill in the other spots and they're gonna they they got a lot of options in how they're gonna do that whether it's a short term player and a long term player or maybe just punting until next season um it's great and and I'm sure uh this is the season I'll make a prediction right now this is the season where Maybe not, you know, not casual NBA fans, but more casual NBA fans start to realize how good Robert Covington is.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like we've said that once or twice before. He's he's finally getting some of that. Third recognition. time's a charm. Yeah, <laughs> for for his defense. <laughs> I I mean, I agree with you. I think he's going to be, and the fact that he might be playing on a a decent team while doing that and getting big minutes is is going to help. I think one of the kind of side benefits of this is you get a 19 year old kid, so it's by definition a long term move. But you also now have the addition of Simmons the addition of Fultz, uh, and Bede playing hopefully longer than he did last year or more often than he did last year. And there's always been kind of that nagging fear that Calangelo might, you know, try to improve the perception of the club and make it seem like they're serious about winning. They can they can get that win improvement now and not be forced to do anything. You can kind of get that perception boost and scratch that itch that Calangelo might have without really making any long-term decisions of consequence, which is, is, is kind of great.
2: If he's going to be wrong, he's going to be wrong for the right reasons, Yeah, which is, I mean, that that was our fear, that it would be the opposite. And yeah, just like you said, I mean, 19 years old, 20, just, I don't know if Ben turned 21 yet, but 21, just turned 21, and then a 23-year-old. And I mean, this is your young core, and they're going to ride with that moving forward. I mean, how many times over the past couple years have we talked about, God, if they just get this right, people are going to be just all in, in Philadelphia. They haven't even gotten it right officially yet. I mean, I mean, it's just the idea of getting it right. And, God, talk radio, all you can hear. Markel yeah. Fultz. Um, it
1: also helps that the only other team playing right now is just a complete train wreck, too. That helps. I don't know how you can talk about the Phillies right now. That that's helps. coming from someone who covered the last three years of Sixers
2: basketball. <laughs> that certainly helps. But, God, I mean, just think back to that workout the other night. What a... What a, a circus that was. I mean, I haven't seen that many. I don't think I've seen half as many media members. <laughs> I joke that this the episode. only time
1: you see that kind of crowd is when they were about to set an infamous record, like an 18-game losing streak. That's when we see that kind of crowd. It was nice to see it for a good reason this time.
2: <laughs> and there were a few of those along the way. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Too many. They uh, That workout was, I mean, just the, the anticipation of, of Fultz. I guess we couldn't track the plane because he was just driving up I-95, but it, it was really funny waiting out. I know you you were a little late the other day, but you, you made it for the workout. But when we were sitting out in front of the training facility, a couple of Sixers fans were over by the fence on the <laughs> other side, and they were screaming. They were happy to see uh, see Markel there. Um, yeah, and it was just—I mean, his workout—and it was perfectly on brand. He shot like he—he <laughs> yeah. he was like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Along Came Polly, just 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 tossing up bricks, and uh, which of course didn't matter because. The Sixers knew they were going to draft him. They didn't care. Um, And it was just, yeah, it it was a circus and a circus in a good way because, you know, the Sixers, I I just feel like for so much, we were talking about uncertain things, right? Like this Lakers pick could become this guy or, you know, they have all these assets. They have cap space they can use. Now we know for sure, like they're going to roll with this, with this core with Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid. And, uh, That's a good thing. The the fact that we actually can talk about tangible basketball players now, it's it's certainly a change.
1: It's amazing what the last 12 months have done, isn't it? You got Embiid playing. You got Simmons drafted. You got the number one pick in the draft now two years in a row. One through lottery ball combinations, one through trades. It is amazing how it's materialized, not from the thought of players and and draft picks and hope, into actual guys that you can see standing here in Camden. It's a pretty remarkable turnaround. It really is.
2: Yeah. Life right. comes at you fast.
1: So we have spent precious little time talking about the actual, play. and I don't mean in his podcast, or but I mean in the past month because nobody has thought. We just he thought the fans are going to take him. Yeah. <laughs> what is who is Marquel Fultz? What is he as a basketball player, and what makes him such a great fit?
2: He is. I, I don't want to. I'll go here. He is close to the prototypical lead guard you would want in the modern NBA. He is about six four, six five. He has a six ten wingspan. Um, he's not quite the explosive athlete in terms of like vertical leap, as maybe say like Dennis Smith, but but he can dunk on people in traffic if if he gets gets ahead of steam. And I think the the main thing that he can do, which is why you take him first, this guy can get his own shot. He is a fantastic ball handler. He is excellent quickness, and it's sort of like, you know, we were pretty high on, let's say, like, D'Angelo Russell a few years ago because of his shot-making and passing ability. So Markel Fultz has that ability, but D'Angelo Russell couldn't get his shot off of the right. NBA. Markel Fultz is going to be able to get his shot in the NBA. He's quick. He, oh God, some of those spin moves he has. Like, he's the guy who, when you watch his highlights, he, he just makes wow plays, and, and he's the type of guy who is just, I mean, his, his potential is absolutely tantalizing. He has good vision, and just like Ben Simmons, he played in a really crappy college basketball team, and uh, and partially due to the fact that the similarities with Simmons are interesting. played in a crappy college basketball team and didn't play a whole lot of defense, which, again, uh, doesn't really color my uh, He has the ability to play good defense.
1: Good yeah, point. he definitely does. Um, you know, his, his ability, and some people brought up the D'Angelo Russell comparison because their numbers are somewhat similar. But his ability to maintain a live ball, dribble, dribble in traffic, it's absolutely absurd. It's an elite skill that D'Angelo Russell was weak at. His body control and touch at the rim and, and the way he can just contort his body, he's going to be fun to watch. Um, You know, the defense, it is interesting. You go back and you watch some of the U18s and the other teams where he was a lot less a lot less was put on his shoulders offensively. I think he can get after it a little bit defensively. I certainly think he can get to the point where, if Brett Brown gets through to him, he can be, you know, not a liability. He can be a contributor. He can force turnovers, and he'll have some versatility there. You just kind of have to wash away the the stink of of, of one year at Washington, and, and hope he doesn't have any long term bad habits. But I'm I'm optimistic he will. Like I said, at least not be a liability.
2: He mentioned that defense the other night as a reason he would enjoy playing in Philly, which I thought was funny just looking at his tape because, like, let's be real. Like, he didn't get in the stance once. just He's like, like, I can block
1: it. shots. Like, that's great. But that's great. But how about you don't let your guy buy you the first time?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, and Brett Brown has showed over the past couple years, if he showed one thing, is that he can construct a good defense. And now he actually has, you know, players with the tools to be, like, a really elite defense. Yeah, as far as Fultz goes, I mean, you know, everything I said about his defense that is true. But again, he's also 6'5", with a 6'10 wingspan, which, like, when when you're somebody like D'Angelo Russell, when you're somebody especially like Isaiah Thomas, that kind of limits your potential defensively. A little bit. He's he's going to be a guy who you think will be able to switch on the wings a little bit and won't, won't get killed, and he'll at least be average, which is good news, because guess what? He's going to be above average offensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, he might he might end up being a top-20 offensive player in the league, and I don't think that's a crazy projection at all. In fact, I'd be a little bit surprised if he wasn't. Uh, You know, they're one piece away in terms of of a shooting guard from really being able to switch one through four. And not that you're going to want to switch Fultz onto a four all that often, but you, I mean, with Fultz at, like you said, 6'4", 6'5", 6'10", wingspan, Covington, we already saw him defend four spots last year. Simmons and his size and, and quickness and reflexes, and again, he's, Brown's going to have to get him to buy in. And then even Justin Anderson off the bench, like, and, and, and. T L C too. Like you're one piece away from having a real good wing rotation.
2: Even Henderson if he's still yeah. on the team. Like they, they got some guys who can switch for sure.
1: Yeah, and I in all honesty, Henderson's a guy I might have a little more interest in now that now that this has come into focus a little bit more, I don't know if I want him back, but at least I'd consider it more. It's uh it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be
2: fun. They switched a lot the uh, the neurons year. The when he the was a MCW rookie.
1: W and rotten year too. Yep.
2: And uh, and Luke Mba and Mute was the uh was the Cameroonian who was playing for the team at that point. Uh, they, they have a different one now who, who presents a different <laughs> skill set for sure. But uh, I, I think that they're going to have the ability to do that. And, yeah, I mean, God, Fultz, you know, it, it'll be interesting. There will be so many debates of who's the point guard? Is it Fultz? Is it Simmons? And I'm not sure that matters. But um, what, what do you think about his shot? He shot 40% at Washington. I will say this. the uh, The thing that blew me away at Washington, his ability to make contested jumpers is pretty crazy. It so is. that's that, that was an impressive 40%. It was
1: not an easy 40%. That's for damn sure. Um, you know, I think the only real criticism I have is that I think he could get it off a little bit quicker off the catch. That's such a small criticism, though. Like, that's so easily correctable, and you work on his footwork a little bit. His ability to, I mean, it goes back to body control, but his ability to pull up off the dribble, have balance, have be able to make that contested shot like you say, it's it's really good. And maybe he's going to struggle for a year or two at NBA three-point range. Most people do. Most rookies do. Oh, yeah. I think I think he's going to get there,
0: though. Yeah. It might
1: take two or three years, but I think he's going to get there.
2: And I, I would suspect him not to be, you know, maybe average to a little below average as a three-point shooter. And in general, like, I do want people to realize, like, we are not expecting Fultz and Simmons next year to be as good as Embiid was last year. I oh, think no. that's that's extremely rare. But they're going to be fun, and they're going to show some flashes for sure. Because, I mean, you know, it's just like young players don't win. And, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm just thinking back. I remember I was talking to you. We were just bullshitting before a game in the uh, in the Sixers locker room. And, and there was really nothing going on. Maybe we were waiting to interview Embiid or something like that. And I mentioned to you, I said, what, what do you think about this Fultz guy? And you were like, he's pretty damn good, huh? And I was like, yeah. And we we sort of knew back in. It didn't take long for me to realize this is the best guy in the street. Yeah. And for the Sixers to get him, I mean, it's it's great. It, it certainly makes the next couple of days a little more stress-free for, uh, for I'm sure a lot of people in that front office and just the Sixers fan base as a whole.
1: Tell you what, it completely changed everything and anything I was working on, everything I had planned. I had podcast guests lined up that I had to cancel on or reschedule. The topics are going to be completely changed. I threw out a podcast that I already recorded. I have half-written scattered reports on Jackson and Tatum and Isaac and Monk that I'm just going to delete now, it's very good problem to have, don't get me wrong. It's it, But it's it, it certainly just for this to happen, honestly, for it to happen before the draft, I'm a little bit surprised. I really thought this was the kind of thing that would go right to draft night, but it really just shows that Danny Ainge wasn't, you know, it could be Ball, it could be Jackson. seems like Danny Ainge is okay with it.
2: He's either okay with one of the two or he's really confident yeah. that the guy who he wants is going to be there at three. Yeah, I mean, we we said over when we sort of did the emergency podcast on Friday that we hoped it would ha- happen over the weekend. But I was surprised. Yeah, I <laughs> I thought they were bringing in Fultz so the Sixers could say, you know, okay, we'll take him and this deal will be agreed to. But yeah, like you said, I think that I thought the Celtics were going to have to wait until the Lakers pick second yeah. to to see exactly who you know who would be available there if their guy which almost makes you
1: wonder if they want this kind of certainty so they have the next three days to work on something else. And you're always going to be sitting there with Danny Ainge wondering, you know, whether or not there is something else up his sleeve. It'll be fun to watch how that unfolds. I will say there's some people saying, like, you know, if Danny Ainge flips it for this or that, that doesn't matter. When, when you're factoring in whether or not the Sixers, who cares whether the Sixers want to trade? but When you're factoring whether or not it was a good trade for the Sixers, whatever, they they could end up with Gordon Hayward and Jimmy Butler this is still a very good, and, and a trade the Sixers should have made. This was a very good deal and a very good outcome.
2: Oh, it's it's irrelevant what Boston did. The Sixers, eh, the idea of trading within your division is just so antiquated. Like, it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, because divisions don't matter, and, like, you're going to have to beat everybody at some point anyway. For them to lock up their core, I mean, it's just it's just a massive deal to get the, the talent level. I mean, the thing we, we, I feel like we bring up Fultz all the time now because he's new. Fair, and we also bring up Simmons because of the fit. Um, Joel Embiid is still still in Philadelphia, he's still and, really
1: fucking good, too. and he
2: still has the chance to be like. I, I think we throw around the term "best player on a title team" too easily. He has that. type oh, of, yeah. He has that type of talent, and now he's got two dudes who easily have all star potential. So
1: what's nice about Fultz, you know, Embiid has top five, top ten player in the whole fucking league kind of potential, but there's always going to be that little bit of uncertainty with his health. And Simmons has not quite the same talent level, but he has a, a real elite talent level, but there's some question whether or not he'll reach it because of the shot, because of his uniqueness, because of, of maybe his defensive indifference at times. Fultz, and I hate saying this because we said this about Simmons where it was nice to get that one kind of star that you can rely on and he went out and he broke his goddamn foot. So I hate saying this and I apologize if Marco Fultz got injured. But, man, it just seems we, we talked about this with the debate between if a lot of people ask and have asked whether or not if Simmons and Fultz were in the same draft, who would go number one? And for the longest time, everybody <laughs> now <you got> both. <laughs> everybody wanted you to say Simmons because they wanted like confirmation that the guy that they had was it. But I think it, was, it, was, it would have been a lot more split among front offices because I think a lot of people look at Fultz and they say that's a very easy projection. Yet Simmons has a lot of talent. He certainly has more ways he can impact the game. But man, Fultz's offensive game should just translate like a T. So it's nice to kind of get you have that really high upside, unique guy in Simmons, who, if things work out, could be incredible, just very unique and impactful. And then you have a guy like Fultz, who, I mean, it, it, talk about tailor made for the NBA. He should be able to come in and run a pick and roll to death right from the jump.
2: Oh, my God. I mean, he had very poor spacing at Washington. Some of the splits on pick and rolls he had were just, yeah. it was sublime how. I mean, it's, it was just special type stuff, and that's why he's the number one pick. And as an added bonus, he seemed pretty excited to be playing in Philadelphia. He did. Larry's Cheesesteak shout-out, too. It seems like I, I had no idea he was so familiar with the area, but... You yeah, know, most, most
1: prospects, they'll, they'll, they might shout-out a Pat's or Geno's that their agent told them about. You don't get many Larry's shout-outs. No,
2: no. And, uh yeah, for him, it's, it's obviously a good deal. He'll get to play pretty close to home. His family will be able to come up and get, get to see him play, and... uh yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else, man. What uh, are we are we missing
1: anything? Oh, I'm sure we're missing something, but it's uh, you know, these podcasts are still. We tried to make this one a little more focused than last the last one we did on Friday when we were pretty much just reacting to, um, to the euphoria. There's still a little bit of that mixed in there too. It's, it's hard to kind of get over the fact that they traded up to number one and we'll get the best player in the draft yet again. It's a wonderful spot to be, in. and for all the fans that really stuck through this rebuild. And they're now celebrating on Twitter, maybe a little too much, <laughs> but having a little fun on Twitter,
2: uh, I, I certainly feel good for them. The, uh, and speaking of the fans, I mean, God, we're beating PTI and and all these different places. Certainly,
1: thank you for listening to us. Uh, again, I'll never understand why. And I, gave, <laughs> I, was on, I was on the Ricky the other day, and, and we had jumped up to 13th, and they were 20th in, in sports podcasts on iTunes, and the Ricky got in the top 10. So hopefully we'll be able to get in there. We still have a lot in store for you this week. Uh, coming up but yeah thank everyone for listening it's been uh it's been pretty incredible to see see your 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 podcast that high in those rankings because that is not those are not easy guys to compete against
2: those are uh and just just in general too just as far as the whole fan base is concerned two sixers podcasts in the top 20 on itunes like something with that narrow of a focus to, to be that high it's uh it's pretty cool. It's, again, it's, their,
1: their ranking algorithms are kind of magic. I have no idea how they actually work.
2: But Oh, we're certainly not the 50th most listened to, <laughs> yeah. to podcast, but we'll take
1: it anyway. Yeah, we, yes, we will. We'll screenshot the fuck out of it and post it on Twitter and be <laughs> happy about it. But anything really else? Um, I know there's – There it sounds like there might be one more workout tomorrow. I don't know how much anybody's going to care about the prospects coming in. Uh, you're certainly not going to work anybody else out that would be a top five pick, unless they got something up their sleeve, which – who knows but i Something I, I up doubt their it. collar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um still got i mean it, it's it's it was funny speaking of, of the collar his complete reluctance to say markel Fultz. he kept saying the player will draft at number 1 or the number 1 pick and kind of substituting it for a name and he, he i mean he kind of did that last year with ben simmons too but like you brought the guy in here on saturday and worked him out you drove him up here from maryland to have him come into your gym and you let the media in to watch it it was Seemed a little unnecessary, but that is the NBA in 2017.
2: It wasn't quite Howie Roseman last year saying, "We're going to pick second and we're going to take the quarterback the Rams don't pick," right. <laughs> which obviously he couldn't offer the the specificity that right. Colangelo was allowed. But the, the good news is, Brian, um, nobody's going to jump over you. There's no uh, there's no money in the bank where you can cash in the number one pick. It's just, and it's cool. I mean, just that, that we know that the Sixers again are going to have the top. Ugh, the top talent in the draft, for barring uh, barring health, of course, the third time in four years. That is, that's pretty massive.
1: Get another elite shooter. It should be really fun to watch. All right, um, I think that's probably it. We'll let you go. Thank you guys again for for listening. We'll have uh, another guest or two on over the course of the week to talk about Fultz, give his perspective on why he is or is not the best player in the draft, and how he fits with uh fits with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But Thank you again, Rich. Thanks for jumping on, coming live to you from Camden. We're probably going to try to do this a little bit more frequently, uh, but it's been great. It's
0: been
2: great. Leave those iTunes ratings.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. dot you.